Welcome to the Global Sales Mentor Podcast for conversations that drive growth. When you are ready to grow your international sales, join the conversation with your host, Zach Selch. Welcome back to Conversations That Drive International Sales. I have a guest with me who is an old friend or a friend of mine that I've known for a while, who is a great marketing person that I've worked with for years, or I have worked with for years. We haven't worked together for a while. Jennifer Holden. Jennifer Holden is the vice president of marketing for a manufacturing division in about a half billion dollar multinational corporation. And she's been doing marketing for a very long time. Didn't come out of school as a marketing person, came from a more clinical background. And she'll talk a little bit about how she got to where she was, but she knows an awful lot about the marketing piece. And I'm always sort of separating the sales part from the marketing part and who does what, et cetera. And when we worked together, she was responsible for the marketing team and I was responsible for the international sales team. And she did an awful lot to support the international sales uh, curve and our growth. And you really can't get ahead with sales without the right marketing person. So we're going to welcome Jennifer and we're going to talk about marketing and how that supports uh, sales or how marketing and sales work together to drive revenue. Jennifer, welcome. Thank you for coming on the podcast. And thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for the uh, extraordinary introduction. I will do my best to live up to what you have put forth for sure. Uh, but Great. as Zach said, we've worked together in the past and haven't worked together in a, in a few years. But just as he said, sales leans on marketing. Marketing obviously needs and leads on sales as well. So we found a very nice balance over the years between the two disciplines. I hope we can talk about that. Uh, Great. Today. And also, I, I guess everybody is aware of the idea that there's very often stress between marketing and sales. And I think Jennifer and I were able to work together really, really well and understand each other. And I, I'm sure she has worked with sales managers that she liked less than me. And I've worked with marketing people that I liked less than her. But I think we've gotten along pretty well. And it really is important. This whole stress between marketing and sales never turns out well for anybody, right? That's, you know, in the, in the end of the day, everybody loses because it's going to impact numbers. Right, Jennifer? No, absolutely. There's, there's a natural tension and a natural cohesion between the two groups, right? Sales is always pushing and pulling marketing and product and these things forward sometimes at a, at a comfortable rate and other times at an uncomfortable rate. And it's very important. And I learned through the years to get, to get, as the saying goes, comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? Because there is a, a good strap, a good push that is, that is healthy for both sides, which, which yields great results for the company. And then, you know, conversely, I'm, I'm pushing and have pushed on sales in the back to think about not just a product or a solution or an offering, uh, features benefits and, you know, really refine that message and identify those target customers, right? So not right. necessarily um, try and be everything to everybody because it's a very difficult game to win. Well, I was going to save this question for later, but you gave me a really good inroad to this. So what would you say the biggest weakness of sales in terms of understanding marketing is, and I'm, I'm thinking of an idea myself in my head, 
but I'm wondering what, what you would say. Uh, I, would, I would say the greatest weakness that I've seen in the, in the sales side as it relates to marketing is a lack of understanding. Some would lead with, hey, maybe there's a lack of appreciation or something. But honestly, it's more about having that foundation, a lack of it, understanding of what marketing and communications can bring to the table to assist in selling and or developing a market and or a distributor, right? All of those things right. are very important. And so long as you do your groundwork and have a champion in sales leadership and champion in the other areas, right? Then you can avoid some of that, but it's hard. I mean, you've got to really, if you're in a situation and I had been in the past many years ago, where you've got to justify marketing as being more than logos and fluff, right? right? Or video and something, then that naturally works itself out because then sales will understand what it can bring to the table and then want to get involved and say, okay, that's a different line of thinking um, that is complementary to what I'm doing, not right. against. Right. And, and then you get that engagement, which I think we had a lot of, Zach. You know, those. I, I think so. I'd like to think we did. Yeah. 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 I was going to say so I'll tell you what I was sort of thinking based on what you had said last was one thing that I find with salespeople and sales managers, not sales leaders, is they're always thinking about what they would need marketing wise for the last customer. Right. Mm. And it's always sort of like people will come and they'll say, well, you have to do this. And you're like, well, why? That, that's my feeling, right? So they're like, well, why do we have to do that? Oh, like, well, yeah. the last customer I had, and you're like, okay, yes, but we're not thinking about the last, we closed that, we got the purchase order, we're moved on. Yeah. Like, we should be thinking strategically about what do we need for the long term, right? And I would add to that, it's either from a, from a, from a salesperson's point of view, right? Like you said, right. not a manager, is either the very last deal, or right. the very next deal, the thing that they're right. working on at that moment, right? right? And it's and so sometimes it can be hard to do greenfield conversations when that point of view starts with such an immediate perspective, one back yeah. or one forward. So once you break through that and 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 try and find patterns and and, and things along those lines, and then you can get some really great collaboration between the two. Right, and, and I think. That's with managers, right? They've got that vision. Right, exactly. And I think not to get away from the marketing side, but when you're thinking about who on your team has the potential for leadership, it comes down to that. That's one of the big things that differentiates between a salesperson who can grow into leadership and one who can't. And it comes, a lot of that comes to the interaction with other departments, especially marketing, right? You know, because if you can't, deal well with marketing, you're not going to sell. You're, you're not going to lead sales, right? You can close a deal, right? But you okay. need somebody to interact with marketing, right? Well, and I would agree. I mean, as a sales manager, right, you've covered a lot of topics. So your podcasting, your posts, and, and all of the, the program in the last year plus that you've been working through it and getting the word out. And it's as much about developing a channel. It's as much as about right. developing the internal relationships and, and mm. you know, collaborations with leadership, right? Because it does take several disciplines to grow at larger numbers than right. let's say, you know, a couple of percentage points a year, right? right. If you just want to slow right. along, that's one thing. 
Yeah. And I'll tell you what, so think about things like sales enablement tools and let, you know, what, let's even focus in on the deck, right? Who should make the deck? You know, lots of lively conversations around that. <laughs> Right. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'll tell you what, I come down, I've, I've come down in different points of my life at different points on this story. And I think we're probably going to collapse. We probably lean towards the same direction now, maybe than we would have 10 years ago. But cause I, I used to think, you, you know, I, I used to think that made a lot of sense for salespeople to own their own decks. And I've gotten away from that. Um, I, I do think there should be flexibility, but yeah. from a corporate perspective, it makes a lot of sense for you to own the deck, right? As a head of marketing. Yeah. And, and so you you talk, I'm talking too much. So no, 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 that's all right. The um it, it's completely true, right? And and I don't think it depends on what you're selling. I think right. the story is true no matter what you're selling, but you know, you, you've got the expertise to say otherwise. A lot of uh, initial, you know, back in the day, you said a long time ago, a lot of times in my profile, so it made me feel very old. But a long time ago, there was the belief that sales, hey, you're out there. You're the ones talking to the customers day in and day out. You're the ones who are getting the stories, right, that resonate with the customers and then speak them back. Therefore, it makes a lot of sense for sales to own the message, right? Just tell right. me what the thing does and I'll take it from there. Right. And, and truth be told, a lot of success can be brought with that approach. But the things that you lose, I think, were, is what you're really alluding to, right? Right. Um, what, what you lose then at that point, particularly if you're building a brand, um, building a culture, building a, a vision around it, you will have offline, you know, brand standards thrown out the window. You will have a less professional, a less uh, succinct deck than right. maybe it could be. Um, you will be saying as a salesperson, not you as a sales manager, you as a salesperson, could be saying things differently than your colleague, right? Right. And that can be a bit of a problem because if one is positioning the product this way and another one another way, and those two happen to conflict and suddenly affect the dollar that you can drive the value dollar on that sale now you're getting some real impact i'll tell you i'll take that even one step farther right what year was your company founded in early 1900s right now i remember if you had asked five sales people what year it was founded in they would all give you a different year right and now that seems like a small thing, seems like a very small thing, but I can tell you that as a, if you were a customer and five different salespeople talk to you from the same company over a year period, and each presentation had a different year that the company was founded in, that looks a little strange, right? It, it's yeah, not it's a big thing. Right. Sorry? It, it does. It chips away at the credibility, right? It's because not a big they... thing, but it hits the credibility, right? And that's something that I've always thought about. It's like, how many people are in the company? What year was it founded? Those little stories, if you hear two different ones, it chips away at the credibility. And it isn't important. But then when somebody comes and says, and by the way, we're, you know, we have the most reliable product, we do this, we do this the important stuff, there is the chance that that credibility has already been cracked. And yeah. that's my opinion, right? 
I I like the idea of message discipline with that. And then, you know, yeah. no, it could be, and it goes from the small things to the big things. So, you know, you, you come and sure one regional manager can come and say, well, this is the benefit people like most. And then different regional managers say, well, this is the benefit people like most. So you can balance those messages, but how you talk about those benefits, how you talk about this, anything related to a number or a fact of a product. And, and I'm talking from a pure sales guy perspective. I don't think it should be owned by the salespeople. I think it should be owned by somebody in marketing. And the, the, the other part of this, I'm, I'm talking way too much now. The other part of this is the institution, the company owns that. So if I, as a regional sales manager say, well, this is a great message that has to work up the chain so that somebody yeah. else can use it, right? I'm not, you know, and, and there is a tendency of salespeople to compete with each other. So somebody might say, I have a great message. I don't want the other RMs to have that message, right? But that isn't good yeah, for the company. No, it's not at all, right? And there's several elements to a deck, right? Mm -hmm. That if you if we broke it down into, and, and you started to cover this, right? You've got the company brand the company right. image, the company message. Then you've got the portfolio message and then you've mm -hmm. got the product feature functions, but really value, right? We wanna give right. you a value statement. And then you wanna talk about the call to action, the next steps and have the right supplemental information that, that really support what that person is saying. There's got to be a cohesion between the two or three. And if you right. have a sales force out there and, and think about it for just a minute, because really we focus on sales, sales to distributors and right. then distributors to customers. If you have a lack of discipline within the company sales team or cohesion, right. and then You're imagine, have a bigger lack with the distributors, yeah. Right, imagine the amount of creative license it will take with several distributors, hundreds of right. distributors, yeah. and then to those end customers, right? So it's extraordinarily important. Now, there's a difference, right, between ownership, accountability, and collaboration and consultation. And, and right. that's, that's a really important distinction because you need to have, and, and I happen to believe on the marketing side, right, that person owned the deck because they, right. they're the ones setting the three, five-year vision alongside, right. you know, executive leadership in that. But then you you bring sales and others in in an editorial fashion. Right. 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 I have found it, and, and you can disagree or not, that it's easier for someone to edit, mm. particularly as you're putting something together that's you know so subjective to right. edit something to create from scratch. Oh yeah, I, I agree. Mm. And and here's the thing. The, the collaboration, I mean, remember we, we had a workshop once, workshops even the wrong, I mean, we worked months, a couple okay. of times a, a month to work on building a deck and it was a collaboration. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, like, so, so I, I could tell you, for instance, in a different company, somebody came up with a benefit from um, marketing who wasn't a salesperson and that wasn't a good benefit. Right. It just no, the customers didn't care about it. And he didn't get that because he hadn't, he hadn't been out to a customer. Right. So we talked about it. And I said, okay, this is just not the right benefit. It's a benefit. Nobody values it the way you think they do. Right. So we had to, to shift it around. So that kind of conversation takes place. And in the end of the day, you settle in on something 
and it has to be a collaboration and it has to be an agreement. It's not like the marketing is deciding or the sales are deciding. You're working together, but I I still feel very comfortable with marketing owning the deck in the end of the day. Yeah, and there's two things I want to add to that, right? One, the reason, you know, when, when Zach is talking about this story that took us months to do the deck, it's because we were reworking, going from a feature function kind of presentation to a completely different style, right. a solution-based and a value-based. And plus you've got travel schedules and things like that that make right. it complicated. But right. so that's that's the reason why I'd want that to be off-putting. But I think the second piece that we didn't cover yet is who the heck says that marketing knows best and what the customer hmm. wants. Right. Well, you know what, marketing, you better be getting out there with salespeople. You better be getting out there and talking to those customers. If right. you think you're going to develop that message via a distance, then you're already starting back on your heels. And, and that's, yep. that's going to make it very difficult for you to have any credibility. I well, think that- how, much, how many, sorry, how much were you in the field when we worked together? I mean, you okay. were, I'd say 30 days a year, at least in international markets, thinking about it, because you were two trade shows absolutely. and a couple of other shows. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I spent a lot of time, particularly in the international market, those were right. long trips, right? Zach was extraordinarily efficient with our travel that once he got me, I mean, they were, once they got me out of the office, at that <laughs> point, it was it was an around the world trip with, I don't know, no less than eight countries at a time and talking to customers, talking to distributors and yeah, throwing in a trade show event. But I found right. honestly trade shows to be not as worthwhile or fruitful than I did actually going to the end customer and see what was going on. So I think that's a key point to any successful marketeur who thinks that they're going to take on doing this is you darn well better be out there talking to the customers alongside. Right. We got you in over, over a period of years, we got you in a dozens of hospitals, I think, right? All over. Yeah, I've, no, no, no. Yeah, I've been to outside of North America, well north of a hundred hospitals. Right. And 30, over 30 countries. Right. So it's right. important. And you don't just get to go once and get in and out, right? You've, yeah. you've got to establish yeah. And, I, and and we know somebody once who who did like two, you know, tried to, to design a product around two hospitals in two countries, right? <laughs> and that was that was a mistake. I think you gotta, you know, you you if you're designing something for international markets and you want even, you know, even even marketing materials, if yeah. you want to understand international markets, two countries doesn't make it international. You gotta get to a bunch of places, right? No, you're an exporter at that point to two countries. I mean, you're, you're not an international right. sales. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. we talked a little bit about the deck. Talk about some of the other cool stuff. Um, I liked, we, we worked together a little bit on that iPad playbook, right? We did. So uh, sales enablement tools is extremely important, right? And it dovetails off of some items that we have already talked about, which is alignment, Right. You know, consolidation around a message, but then it's also saying this is how you do it, right? This is right. the best practice and how to make that happen. And getting those rules of engagement and steps and training and those things are super important when you're working with a sales manager as they're growing the international market, as they're choosing new distributors. You want that onboarding piece to be as straightforward as possible, easy to understand 
They reproducible, right? Yep. Reproducible, absolutely. So, um, I've, and that was really your baby, candidly. And I thought you did an extraordinary job on that. We just helped you. give you the, the, the platform to do it. But it was really about just consolidating all the different things that Zach knows and building up a international distribution channel and, you know, putting it into topics and, and steps so that it's consumable by a new distributor and you don't scare right. the heck out of them. And right. And that they have what they need to go out and talk to a customer, yeah. right? You know, they have those tools because if they don't have the tools, they're going to try and make them themselves. And they're all, you are going to do it better than any distributor salesperson or even distributor marketing person. Even the distributors that have marketing teams, you're going to do it better than they are. And, and no, and the point, Zach, if there's a void, right, if there's not something there that they need, they're going to do it themselves. They just right, right. And, and, and then at that point, you have no visibility. And exactly. That. Right, exactly. Yeah. And even the, the, you know, we used to have approved pieces for them to use, like if they wanted to use our logo or stuff like that. And, I, and we, we used to police that pretty well. Because that can become yeah. very important. It's extremely important, right? To have a brand standard, have a brand standard guide, document, whatever it is, and have rules of engagement, right? You want to protect as a marketing person, your collateral, things that have your name, your brand, your information on it as closely as possible. So what we implemented was a big change as opposed to giving over documents and in editable form and letting distributors right. customize it for the market, you know, I shut that down. Absolutely right. not. Um, and in return, what we'll do for you is provide a service where we will co-brand that with you as a distributor, right? So there's a value. It's not just a, a right. penalty to say you can't do that. It's like, no, 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 we'll co-brand this for you. So it 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 forced a conversation between marketing sales right. and the and the and the and that market, that channel partner, and said, what are you looking to do? And I think the salesperson kind of sussed out some some opportunities for education to the distributor. It it brought forward maybe some items, points, value statements, whatever it may be that hadn't thought about that, but right. really kept everything in sync with the overall portfolio. Right. And I like what you said at the beginning of this, of that bit about the void, right? Yeah. If there's a, a void, you know what happens. <laughs> right? The distributors are going to try and fill it, and you want to avoid that, right? So I've we seen it with distributors, uh, and you've seen it with sales team members as oh well, yeah, right? Of course, under you, right. because you'll get a strong, type A, successful sales manager, and you know they know best, and right. it is, you know, it's hard to keep that in line um, to not let that creative license for the void go too terribly far, right? Because if they don't have it, that void represents money for them. If they're saying, oh, yeah. I'm going to lose a deal because I don't have this piece of collateral, they'll make the collateral, right? They'll find, so they'll go to Fiverr, they'll find somebody to make that collateral for them. And, you know, two years later, you'll see something with your picture on it. And you're like, what is that? I didn't make that. <laughs> well, <laughs> right? and, and, and I'm, it's true. I've seen it and I've seen paint. I mean, literally the program paint. I mean, it's awful, but yep. bring it back to something even more challenging or something to consider is you now have risk, right? right. When you have claims yep. uh, being paid on a oh, yeah. document or whatever it is that has your company logo and or brand, right? 
you right. now, particularly in medical device or right. healthcare or regulatory or governmental work, you have to be, you're accountable to that. You've made a claim, oh, you put yeah. it in writing. Right. And, you know, they don't know that somebody else, a distributor created that. It looks yeah. and smells like yours. Oh, yeah. So and it's, it's and, and that does put you at risk, even just to the simple thing of getting paid. You know, they could say, well, I expected this was going to do five of these and there are only three of them. And you're like, well, yeah, but we never said five. They're like, yeah, look right here. <laughs> you know, and these things happen. There's enough of those problems with just interpretation of what something means on a page without having, you know, more people creating unique mess and tailored messaging. Oh, it's yeah. Different. Yeah. Now you have possibly the best solution center I've ever seen for a company your size. Yeah. You know, I've been to like Siemens Solution Center and I've been to a couple of other really, you know, the multinational, the, the, the giant yeah. companies, right? Okay. But for a half billion dollar company, you have a great solution center. Can you talk a little bit about that, about what yeah, you use really, that for? We're really fortunate, right? So, you know, US-based company to have a solution center, customer experience center, whatever you want to call it, someplace that is I would dare say the most valuable sales tool that we've got, which is getting a customer in to this space that feels welcoming, familiar, right, approachable, educational, professional is, is a very big deal. And we were extremely lucky with our management that they understood the vision, they funded that vision, and it's no small task. I mean, Back, back in the day, things, people used to just have demo rooms, right? Right, right. And you'd have equipment. And arguing that, that ROI in the beginning, I remember that oh. was not easy. <laughs> it's hard because you, when, it, particularly, forgive me, Zach, when you have sales talking to finance and they right. say, I will, I will close, you know, 20% more deals or 10, $20 million worth more business for this. That's your CFO starts to hear ROI. And there's been so many ROIs out there that they don't right. believe ROI in right. return, right? So it took, it was a labor love and it was all the managers of sales and marketing that mm. were pressing forward with the message, right? It was very right. important. And it went all the way up to the president who then, who, as I said, was did understand the vision, did right. understand the value, and invested in it. So it's got product, right? You have a solution center that has product placement. It's in situ. You know, you've right. got a feel that's comfortable for the for your customer. It really so. So this is we're talking about medical devices here, but it could be any type of products. But it looks like a hospital, right? It looks like a couple of different sections of the hospital. Absolutely. So you are seeing product in situ. You're seeing how it looks like it gets used. And it, then it also has, I could say, an auditorium, right? Like a little uh, yeah, area absolutely. to present, which really Did is like an auditorium. A, sorry? Yeah, you, you need a stage for the salespeople. Um, right. And it's not a negative thing that I'm saying. They need a place oh, where they can right. be in charge, be large, right. um, have the attendees facing them appropriately. The sound is correct, right? Everybody can see and hear and be engaged, but not too far away, right? You don't want right. a true auditorium that's 15 or, you know, right. 50 rows deep. And, and so that was a separate space carved out within this right. space. Right. Um, we happen to have a very large one, but you don't have to have 
you know, it doesn't have to be large, but it's a great concept. It's basically the way it was, was an area to present where people could mm -hmm. sit. Actually, a you could say a coffee area, an area where people could sit, and then the products in what looked like the situation they would be used in. Those three components really brought things together. And I'd, I'd say we had a kill ratio of above 80 to 90%. If somebody made a solution center. There's, there's no about, we right. track it. It's, it's just over 92% close there rate. Every time that yeah. we brought a customer. But you got to think about it, right? Uh, particularly with international customers, as you're oh, yeah. asking them to make a very big investment, right? right? And I'd like you to talk about this in just a second, but you know they're making a very big investment of time come over with a very long journey. Dollars are not cheap, right? Many times. So this right. has got to be something, this is the key, something that they cannot get at a local distributor office. Right. They cannot get you know, anywhere else but at corporate or at this right. space. And, and, mm -hmm. and I, well, I was going to say the people that you can bring in, right? I, I think maybe we're on the same page is, right. so you have the, you have the, the stage, you have the, right. the, this environment, but you also have the added benefit of the sales manager or the lead to bring in a whole bunch of other experts, a whole bunch of other bodies, a whole bunch of other, you know, skill set that, right. hey, I've got somebody who's, you know, in our case, either a clinician or an engineer, or an IT right. professional, or a CFO, or COO, whatever it may be. And Zach had at his fingertips the business. Right. And we used to do this. We, we had this, we, we, you know, we did this really well together. So we would basically, I had this whole thing where we would do a, uh, fa we would come in, we'd bring people into a factory tour. And very often I would get, well, I would typically get a senior manager from manufacturing to do the tour. And then I would try and run into the CEO during the tour, right? And we would be able to say hello and, and do that kind of thing. And then we'd sit down and we'd bring in a product manager. And then we'd bring in somebody who could talk about service. And we'd bring in somebody who could talk about software. And it would be, again, so, so what would typically happen would be the customer would know, sometimes they would know me, sometimes they wouldn't even know me. They'd know the regional sales manager really well. They'd know the distributor. They might've seen me once or twice. And then suddenly, boom, they're seeing eight or 10 people who aren't salespeople. And we had, you know, we were, again, depending on what you're selling, we had ex-clinicians presenting so they would people would come in and they were obviously genuine a couple of them were customers right so you know, had been customers before so they're talking and this is a really really nice way to you know it's not a sale it's it's becomes less selly it's less less salesy right you're answering questions Every time I saw this happen, right, it was a conversation and who was doing most of the talking after the ice breaking in the beginning it was the customer, right? right? Tell me about this. Let me hear about that. I would also say what it allowed us to do as a company mm -hmm. is reflect our culture in practice to the customer, right? Going back to our first point of conversation, right? And the right. sales deck and all of these things. 
you're trying to put forth an image, a brand, and that is a value statement as right. well about the company. And they get to see that firsthand. They come in and they're like, wow, what, what that salesperson was putting forth out in country A is right. actually the same. It's actually true. Right. And again, you know, I like, I want to talk about things that everybody can do. And, and sometimes you, you know, we worked for a company where the culture was very supportive of customers. It had been around for a long time. It had a very reliable product and people really, really cared about the the customer getting a good product. Right. And And I can't, you know, from a sales perspective, I can't say, okay, build a culture like that, right? Not everybody can. That was our tool and that was our brand. And it was really nice, but you can take the brand you have and, and tweak out of it the benefits and present that to your customer. Because if, if you don't have anything good about your brand, I can't help you. Right. But you know, so, so, so that's what you're trying to do. Right. Yeah. You have bigger problems than sales, you know, work on your culture. If you, if you can't come up with anything, you know, but that's what we did. And really when, you know, when you say to people, one of our benefits, you know, that, that we, again, every product has weaknesses. So we weren't a cheap product. Right. But it was a very high quality product, right. It lasted forever. It was a tank and it was feature rich. Right. So if you say from the three things, it was feature rich, it was it was reliable, it was it wasn't cheap, right? But when you come in and you see, well, what can I do with those features? What problems can I solve? You know, that was great. And then when you could see, it's, sorry, it allows it to be interactive. So another big right. strength is, you know, salespersons hindered by slideware or virtual demos or a case that they're bringing out and doing things. There's only so much you can do with that, right? You've got to have that environment in tip-top shape and you've got to have it with all the different bells and whistles and options. And so you are ready for when that conversation goes to that topic, it's there, it's ready, you know, and and you can show it. You're not just talking. Uh, So a great tool for sure. But I mean, let's talk about, I mean, I wouldn't mind pivoting to something that I know is changing as we're speaking, which is this idea of trade shows. I'm sorry? Trade shows, this idea. Oh, yeah. And I I do also want to touch on social media before we go, because you've done some cool stuff with social media in the past couple of years that we weren't doing at all before. What what are your thoughts on trade shows? It's it's 2020 when we're talking, the end of 2020. And it's just going to go down in the books as a year that is, you know, to put it mildly, difficult, strained, yeah. but changing rapidly. So yeah. if we were to have this conversation a year ago and we were talking about trade shows, we'd be talking about it's an excellent tool right. for, you know, exposure and to customers and distributor gathering and, you know, information on what customers are hearing at these trade shows, particularly if they're, you know, through a, a non-for-profit or a, an organization that represents their needs, right? Because there's usually right. education tracks and continuing education, those sorts of things, right? We'd be talking about all the grand benefits and how much you want to tack and push into that trade show so you can get the most out of it because they're not right. inexpensive items too. Here we are again, end of 2020 and, you know, things have flipped. And I don't think it's a temporary oh, yeah. flip, right? And now, and now we're talking, you know, a, a bit of reading into the tea leaves, into the future. But, you know, it's not going to come back the way it did. No. 
Not no. shows have out of necessity tried to go virtual and there's a lot of challenges with that, right? And particularly as a vendor, you know, I've got to speak to it with you as a vendor who you're, you're a side gig anyway to these right. trade shows, to these events. Right. Because customers didn't come out of school as a marketing person, came from a more clinical background. And she'll talk a little bit about how she got to where she was, but she knows an awful lot about the marketing piece. And I'm always sort of separating, didn't come out of school as a marketing person, came from a more clinical background. And she'll talk a little bit about how she got to where she was, but she knows an awful lot about the marketing piece. And I'm always sort of separating. So have you done a virtual trade show yet as a vendor? No, but we're about to, right? And I'm going to be very interested in those results because the trade show that we're doing is is really company-based. It's not tied to an organization that's drawing in customers. I've attended quite a few and it's difficult. Um, It's difficult to to find what you want, but on the great part of it is you can see the content that you want and you're out of the content you don't want to see. Right. So that puts a lot of pressure on marketing, right? And, and the whole organization oh, is saying, yeah. you better have something to say. Otherwise, people aren't just going to be tripping across your, quote, booth at all, right? right? Yeah, yeah. It, so it's, I would just add something onto that if you don't mind. Please. Um, one thing that's, yeah, one thing that's up and coming is really this whole digital this whole digital experience for customers, mm-hmm. right? And a digital experience is what it's called. And it's it's around building, not a trade show necessarily, but an environment. Think the gaming industry, right? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, submerged, you're, you're submerged into this virtual reality of a game and you're moving around a space and you it feels like you're there. Right. Welcome to Digital technology 2021, right? This is what's going to go down is people, you are going to be getting, uh, investing in platforms, platforms, products, software, technology, um, where you have this virtual, you know, we're just talking about the solution center or experience center. Now we're building a virtual house, right? Right. Now this technology is building it. So I'm walking in, think Google Maps meets gaming, right? I'm walking in. I'm touching the screen. I'm moving through. I turn left. I turn right. Suddenly, you're you're engaged. You're like, oh wow, this is interesting. And then your your product information. You know, you've got videos that are being played. You know, all of these different things. And you know that that's going to be that is an extraordinarily powerful tool, self guided yeah. as well as managed and owned by the sales. Right. Now, the question is, can that be, I mean, does that have to be tied up to a time? Because we're talking about trade shows. It does. Absolutely not. You could send somebody an invite and say, please come to my virtual tour and set it up, right? Whatever you want. And it's super super flexible that way. And that's really what this is about, right? Yeah. Uh, This from, you know, a set time and date. And when it's convenient for the vendors, when it's convenient for the speakers, you know, that's getting blown out of the water. Um, right. And you could head. So that's why you want to have this. And it's a multi-tiered inter- interaction, right? Yeah. You can have, hey, self-guided tours, you as a salesperson, send them a link. They can see so much. Just enough right. to get interested, enough to whet the appetite. The rest is behind, you know, a wall, so to speak. 
And a salesperson then can say, oh, you want to learn more? Now let me schedule some time where I can walk you through this. Process. Right, right, right. And I, I'm doing, you know, it, it's sort of ironic. For 30 years, I said, well, this has to be done face to face. And now mm-hmm. I can't. So I'm doing a lot more remotely this year than I've ever done before. Mm-hmm. And I, like you said, I'm never going back. I, I will go back with 70% of it, 80% of it, maybe 60% of it. I don't know. But there are some things that aren't. And now, some of it, yeah. some of it's related to this type of thing is you can demo so much remotely. If you know, if you get agreement, if everybody agrees to sit down and watch a screen, which everybody's learned to do this year, you can do a right. lot of stuff remotely. Well, and and I'll and I'll dovetail on that to say it's it's a it's one part of the right. It's a, it's a tool. What it also right. is allowing is customers now are suddenly much more comfortable with this. this yeah, the conversation, right? Cameras are so important, right? I, I just got to get on a soapbox for a minute. Right. Got to get your camera on. None of this nonsense of having a computer-based audio call with they can't right. see you, right? You're right. missing the boat. But it allows you these, this digital experience to still bring in a bunch of people from corporate and have that interaction and have those faces and, and make those re- virtual relationships, right? I mean, we're still yep. there. Now you have scale. That's the one thing you don't have when you're forced to in-person meetings oh, and in-person yeah. fly to the office and see my solution center. You can scale, you can hit more. You're not running into budget constraints, right? You're just looking for an appointment in time. It, I, exactly. I think the scalability of this is fantastic. And uh, mm-hmm. I'll sort of touch on this, which isn't necessarily marketing, but one thing that I've found is you can get somebody like what I've been doing this year is essentially finding people on the ground who can get the customer in front of a camera. Right. Mm -hmm. So instead of saying, I need a regional manager with 20 years sales experience who blah, blah, blah. I can say, look, I need 20 people in that in each particular town who are good enough to get in front of the customer and say, Hey, do you mind, you know, turning on your TV and talking to my boss? Right. Which is sort of amazing. I, I never would have thought this is a thing. And, and yeah. that's sort of where Very we're interesting. Going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we live in interesting it. times right now. Right. So, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. And I want to touch on what you've been doing with social media, because again, we didn't do this, right? I mean, you know, we, we didn't do this. Sorry. It wasn't around. It wasn't a thing. And you'd say like, okay, you'd say, great. If you are buying a pair of shoes, cool. You might want to look, you know, you'll, you'll follow an ad you see on Facebook or something. But you're buying a half million dollar system for your hospital. You don't. You're not looking at social media, but that's not true anymore, right? It's not. It's interesting. So, uh, but I'll have a caveat on it: is you need everybody on board in your company, right? Right. So this isn't just a marketing-driven thing where you're throwing out tweets or posts or likes or things like that with the hope that if a customer is online shopping, that they'll see something that interests them, right? Right. 
So it's really important that you've got, you know, a social strategy that really permeates um, all those things we talked about in the sales deck, right? And everything right. else, right? right? You have to have relevance. You have to, and it's not just about pushing your product. You want to come across as the, as knowledgeable, an right. industry, you know, expert or contributor that you're paying attention you, to. You want to pass that. over your culture, right? And your culture is about caring, reliability, feature rich, all those things. And you have to, so right. it's a big campaign. It's a big deal. Right. And you have to align you have to figure out what, what social platforms are your customers possibly looking at? And you rank them in order, right? right. Are they big? Are they going to follow your business on Facebook? So you know, I'm sorry, I got to ask, did you, did you do some quantitative study studies on this? Or are you sort of trying yeah. to figure it out as you go along? You could do both. Right. right. We've done both. You can right. do both because it, it really depends on your company. Because right. the nice thing and, you know, about social is you get immediate feedback, right? right? It's data, it's information that you can track, trend, yeah. and know. It can give you an ulcer that immediate feedback. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't watch it every single day. You go crazy. But, right. You know, it, it's really important. So you got to know what are, what are your options for social? You know, maybe you're a different type of business and Instagram's important to you, right? Or these right. other things. It really depends on the business, candidly. And then you rank yeah. them in importance. And then you have to have a, the strategy strung together between them, right? Your website, you need to have that in good working order and search engine optimization and keyword right. finding and articles and blogs. That thing okay. connects to your Facebook and or your LinkedIn and or your Twitter account or whatever it might be. And right. then you have to have the messages that are going out align with back to square one, your overall marketing message, right? And then your product right. roadmap and where are we going so that right. there's a theme, there's a string and there's a continuity between those things. And, and continuity, I think continuity is the best word there for social media, in my opinion, right? Yeah. People overlook the value of continuity in social media, I think, in terms of selling. Yeah. No, it's terribly important. And very much like what you've put together as well, you need to have story, but you're, you're giving very small pieces of the story because people, people don't have, have time, people don't have attention, people don't have attention span. Yeah. No, we, we have all been conditioned to read headlines and move on. Right. 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 Read a small blip and then, hey, maybe I'm interested and there's an interesting article I'm going to link to. Then that's step two. Right. But it's right. not front and center. So and you have to be constant or regular yeah. in that posting. If you come and go, yeah, it's much less effective, meaning that if you're not posting on a regular basis and you don't right. need to post every day. I mean, I've had people talk to me and say, wow, this is a lot. It's a lot of undertaking. It's a lot to do. Good Lord, you don't have to post every day. Right. You um, just have to be consistent. Know, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and the one thing I would say that I've, I've seen is particularly in international, you got to be sensitive to the holidays, right? To the, oh, to the, yeah. events, to the current right. things. I have seen people, companies, not people, excuse me, be very, you know, let's say U.S. centric and posting U.S. holidays and right. or, or, or things and particularly those that have a religious basis. You need to be, just get that stuff off unless yeah. you know that is what you're trying to build. Right. And then, and that's part of your brand, right? right. You have to be extremely culturally sensitive and either put everything on there 
or put right. nothing on there. And it, I'm it, more maximalist, maximalist with this. I like to put everything on there. I like people to look and see that I'm wishing them, you know, a, 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 their Muslim holiday, their Hindu holiday, you know, all yeah. the different holidays. I'd like to pull them in and talk about them. But I, I can understand taking them all off too, but you gotta go one way or another. You can't wish people a Merry Christmas and then forget about the Muslim holidays because they will exactly. remember that, right? No, yeah? Exactly, and that's a company decision, right? If, if it's very important for your company to recognize certain key things because that's a core value, then you do that. Right. Um, but it, it's certainly not made in a marketing bubble decision, but it's, it's you gotta have some sensitivity to it. And if right. it's absolutely core to your company, do it. If it's not, err on the side and, and don't do it and talk about problems, products, solutions, you know, top of mind content that it's going right. to, because you're trying to get customers in. You're trying to bring new people into the fold and you don't want anything right. that could be, oh, off-putting or not relevant to their market. That, that's really, really smart. Yep, that's great. Great. Yeah. So this has been really, really interesting. We've had a lot of, of fun, uh, fun times together, uh, traveling around and, and talking to customers and stuff like that. We work really well together. And I appreciate you giving me a little bit of time now. Any other uh, funny, funny marketing stories that uh, that you've come up with that you'd, you'd like to share with uh, the world? Um, funny, no, certainly not that I need to be memorialized on this bad boy. But uh, relevant, perhaps. You know, you just take your take your time and in building that trust. It's really foundational between sales and marketing. I think that's the key to the success not one versus the other or one and or or the other you, you got to have them both because you'll both be better together right um and building that relationship is important right between the, the managers of the different the, the two different disciplines and being sure that you're balanced particularly if you have different markets that you're serving you need mm -hmm. to balance your attention and your time and your output to those, all of those different markets. You can't go in and message and discuss with the market and they ignore it for a lot of time, whether it's a year or months or whatever it might be. Right. Um, it goes back to that theme that we've said more than once, consistency, right? You need that right. continuity between it and, and enjoy it and learn and you know evolve because you'll be surprised what you can reuse mm. um, and bring forward into different markets and or into different segments and customer yeah. segments as, as you're working through that, that um, it's not all net new stuff. No. And, no. Um, and it's, there's, there's a lot of room to recycle stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And it takes a lot more than, you know, a vice president of sales and a vice president of marketing to do this, right? It, it, it takes a, a group of people to, to make the engine go. And, and, uh, and you had and some really, really good people on your team and they were, it, it's sort of funny because like on a, on a sales team, you want everybody to do pretty much the same thing just in a different territory. But in marketing, everybody's doing something totally different and you got to keep track of what they're doing and fit them together, which is an interesting leadership yeah. challenge. Yeah, it's very true. Um, I, you know, we had a multidiscipline team uh, with not just marketing communications, but other things. And you can get that synergy working. It's a joy. And oh. I, I've been just so lucky to have the best teams um, I've ever worked with. 
over the years. Yeah. So it, it, it leads to the joy. Yeah, great. So, but thank you for having me. I appreciate it. it well, thank you very much for giving me some time, Jennifer. And this is great. And I, uh, I'll um, be putting this up so people will be able to hear this. And I, I'm going to say very often I finish up now and I say, and if you need something from Jennifer, reach out. But you know, unless you're a hospital and you want to buy a half million dollar system, probably don't need anything from Jennifer. But thank you very much for being on board, Jennifer. Thank, thanks a lot for this. Absolutely. Thanks, Zach. Take care. All right. All right. So that was it. And thank you very much. That was a lot of fun.